بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين We thank Allah Jalla wa'ala for having granted us the opportunity to witness another month of Ramadan We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us barakah and to accept from us all Ameen As we all know the month of Ramadan is the month of the Quran and there are many different ways in which we can develop our relationship with the Qur'an. So, for example, one may learn the Qur'an, they may learn how to recite the Qur'an if they do not know how to. Another thing a person may do is they may recite the Qur'an constantly or they may increase as compared to the months outside or prior to Ramadan. So, for example, if you found a person who read half a juz a day Outside the month of Ramadan, maybe they will increase to one juz or more. Another way in which we can develop our relationship with the Qur'an is by trying to understand its meaning. What is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? What is my creator trying to tell me? What are some of the rulings mentioned in the Qur'an? How can I learn from the stories that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in the Qur'an. How can I implement these lessons in my life? All this comes under what is known as the tafsir or the interpretation of the Qur'an. There are many different ways and methods in which tafsir was written. You find that some of the scholars, they take the verses and explain them word for word, mainly touching on the linguistic aspect of it. There are other scholars who just took the verses which speak about halal and haram and they wrote about it. And there are other scholars who speak about the reflection part of it. When you look at a verse and you ponder over it, you imagine and understand the greatness of your creator. Inshallah, in these few episodes, we will try and go over the 30th juz, the last juz of the Qur'an. Not only will we give a translation and a brief explanation, at times we will go into detail. At times we will try and extract benefits or gems from some of these verses and how we can ponder over them and implement them in our day-to-day lives. When it comes to the 30th juz, the last juz of the Qur'an, we find that the main theme in all the chapters, either directly or indirectly is death. It's as though Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling the son of Adam, the one reading the Quran, that, O son of Adam, indeed death will overtake you. You will all die. Your mission, your purpose, your time on earth will come to an end. There is no way you can escape it. So you'd rather prepare for it. In Surah An-Naba, the very first chapter of the 30th juz, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about what is known as the news. An-Naba, one of the translations, is the news, the great news. In the surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he begins by asking a question. He then mentions some of his virtues, some of the gifts and bounties he has given us. He then calls us to ponder and to logically ask ourselves, who is in charge. After that, he mentions the resurrection. He mentions the condition of those who disbelieve. What will their condition be on the day of Qiyamah? And he mentions the condition of the people of Jannah, those who will be in paradise. What will their condition be? 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begins by saying, Amma yatasa'alun. This is a question. He is saying, O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, what are they asking about? What are those who reject your message? What are they sitting, discussing, and arguing about? Look at how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begins the very first verse of this surah or this chapter with a question in order to catch the attention of the listener. If there is anything we can learn from this, especially when speaking, teaching others, we must try and catch their attention. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asks a question. What are they asking about? O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, what are they sitting and arguing about? Are they sitting and arguing about the great news? Again, the second verse is a question. Another way of looking at it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself is responding to the previous question. So where he says, what are they asking about? He then answers and he says, they are asking about the great news. What was this great news? Some of the scholars mention that it is the Quran. They are busy sitting and arguing about the Quran. Is it true? Is it not true? Did it come from Allah? Another opinion is that they are arguing about the Prophet. Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Is he a true prophet or has he come up with his own message? Another opinion is that they are asking about the day of Qiyamah, the day of resurrection, arguing amongst themselves. How is it possible for us to be resurrected after the earth has eaten up our bodies? Again, look at how there is more than one opinion mentioned here. What's important to realize is when we look in the books of Tafsir, sometimes at one verse, there may be more than one opinion. However, these opinions are not always contradictory. In fact, in most cases, they complement one another. So for example, in Surah Al-Fatiha, Allah Jalla wa ala, when he teaches us to ask him for guidance, إِهْدِنَا الصِّرَاطَ mustaqim, Guide us to the straight path. Some of the scholars say that the straight path is the Quran. Others say it is Islam. Others say following the messenger. As we can see, all these opinions are not contradictory. Rather, they complement one another. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, they are asking, they are arguing about this great news, the resurrection. They themselves are differing amongst one another. Some of them believing, some of them not believing or rejecting. He then goes on to answer them and warn them. He says, Kalla sayalamun. Nay, it's not like how they believe or they think about it. Indeed, it is something that will happen. Kalla sayalamun. And indeed, they will definitely know it is true. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Thumma kalla sayalamun. He repeats the same verse. He says, indeed, most definitely they will know. What will they know? They will know that the news, the messenger, the Quran, the day of resurrection was all true. And these people who rejected the message will only realize when it's too late. So the first one where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Kalla sayalamun. Indeed, those who reject, soon they will definitely know that everything they rejected is true. The next verse some of the scholars mention that this is emphasis to the previous verse wherein Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says again 
Indeed, most definitely, those who reject will know. A second opinion is when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions kalla sayalamun, indeed, they will most definitely know he is speaking about those who reject. Then when he mentions it again, thumma kalla sayalamun, here he is speaking about the believers. Indeed, they also will soon know and they will see how this message or the resurrection was true because they've prepared for it and they will see their reward. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then calls upon the people, both those who reject and those who believe. He calls them to ponder over some of his signs before mentioning the condition of these people on the day of Qiyamah. Again, what we can learn from this is, look how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he wants to take you from, for example, point A to point B, one of the ways in which you can do that is not mentioning it directly, but calling a person, calling upon their logic, calling them to think and use their intellect. So he says, Alam mihada. Have you not looked around? Do you not realize how we have made the earth like a bedding, something which is easy to traverse and to live on, to walk on? And this is one of the virtues and the bounties of the Almighty. Alam mihada awtada. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is calling upon us to look at the mountains around us, all the signs around us. He's saying, and we made these mountains like pegs. And one of the jobs of these mountains is to keep stability on the earth. And at the same time, look at them, ponder over them. What huge creatures of the Creator are they? Look at how strong they are. أَلَمْ نَجْعَلِ الْأَرْضَ مِهَادًا وَالْجِبَالَ أَوْتَادًا وَخَلَقْنَاكُمْ أَزْوَاجًا Not only the earth, not only the mountains. When you look at yourselves, look at how he created you in pairs, male and female, those who are tall, those who are short, those who are young, those who are old. Indeed, in that is a sign that there is one creator. وَخَلَقْنَاكُمْ أَزْوَاجًا وَجَعَلْنَا نَوْمَكُمْ سُبَاتًا Not only that, we granted you sleep. We gave you something where you can rest. One of the meanings of subata is rest. And some of the scholars mention that it comes from sabt. Sabt is Saturday. And they go on to mention that Banu Israel were asked about a day in which they would rest. They would do nothing of the dunya, no worldly activities. So they chose a sabt, the Saturday or the day of resting for them. So this word means rest. A form of rest for you to recuperate. Imagine the days carried on for 24 hours and there was continuous work until you died. When would you rest? When would your body recuperate? When would you actually have some time to sit and think about things other than your work? So Allah Jalla wa ala is calling us to ponder over these signs. وَجَعَلْنَا نَوْمَكُمْ subata, وَجَعَلْنَا اللَّيْلَ libasa, And we made the night as a covering for you, like a garment. Again, imagine that there was only sun forever and ever and ever, or it was night forever and ever and ever. What would have happened? وَجَعَلْنَا اللَّيْلَ libasa, And also this night we have made it for you so you can rest. As for the day, we have made it a time for you where you can go out 
and earn a livelihood. Whatever you need to earn, whatever you need to do, you have the daytime to go out. You have the sun to benefit from. You can go, you can see, you can look and you have this time. Basically, there's a balance. So during your day, there is night and there is day. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then calls us to ponder over something else. And indeed, we built above you seven great heavens and the sky is a canopy for these heavens. Look at how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala again calls us to ponder over what we can see, the sky above us. And he tells us it's been built solidly. Later on in the surah, he goes on to mention how on the day of Qiyamah you would see this solid structure basically coming to pieces, coming to nothing, like a mirage. He then says, وَجَعَلْنَا سِرَاجًا وَهَاجًا And we made the sun as a bright and shiny lamp. Not only that, the sun gives you light and it gives you heat. Look at how we benefit from it. وَأَنزَلْنَا مِنَ الْمُعْصِرَاتِ مَاءً ثَجَّاجًا And we send down from the clouds, we send down heavy rain. وَأَنزَلْنَا مِنَ الْمُعْصِرَاتِ مَاءً ثَجَّاجًا Look at this rain. When it comes, لِنُخْرِجَ بِهِ حَبًّا وَنَبَاتًا وَجَنَّاتٍ أَلْفَافًا It helps to take out the vegetation. The crops grow, the seeds grow. The vegetation and plants grow. And you find from this orchards and trees, trees that bear fruit are all born. Indeed, in all these verses are signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for us to ponder over. It's as though he's saying, whether you look up at the skies, whether you look down on the earth, and you look at the trees and everything around you, or you look in and amongst yourselves how Allah created you, and you deeply ponder over it, you will find that there is a creator. There is one being who most definitely created it. It couldn't have happened by chance. It couldn't have happened without a being having created all this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then goes to say, إِنَّ يَوْمَ الْفَصْلِ كَانَ مِيقَاتًا Indeed, the day of resurrection, the day of reckoning, the day of judgment has been set. It has a fixed time and most definitely it will come. So look at how at the beginning of the surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he addresses the people and their concern. And he says, what are they asking about? He then goes on to say how most definitely what he has promised, the resurrection, is definitely true. And in order for us to understand this and to understand his greatness and how it is not impossible. In fact, it's very easy for him to bring us back to life. He goes on to mention his creation. After that, he speaks about the day of Qiyamah. Indeed, the day of reckoning, the day of judgment is a fixed day. Its time has been fixed. It will not come earlier or later. It will come when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decides it will come. That day will begin when the horn or the trumpet has been blown in. As we know, there is more than one blowing of the horn. One of them is when the angel who is holding this horn blows it and everything will come to an end. Another blowing is when this horn will be blown again and the people will be resurrected. In some ahadith, it is mentioned how the rain will come 
and the people will grow literally like plants and thereafter resurrection will occur. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that indeed this will most definitely happen at its appointed time on the day when this horn is blown into and you'll find all the people coming in groups group after group it's mentioned how every group will have its nabi or its prophet that was sent to it the prophet will be leading he was the one who called these people to the message did they accept or did they reject on that day the same sky we were talking about previously, how it's a solid structure, you'll find that it opens. Doors, it opens into doors. And one of the reasons for this, as mentioned in some of the ahadith, the angels will come down. And eventually Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will come to judge between the people. The same mountains you saw, those solid creatures, you will find it's as though they are nothing, like a mirage in the distance. Eventually when you get there, it's not there. So these mountains, as great as they may be, you will find on the day of Qiyamah, there will be nothing. A very scary day. Destruction. Destruction everywhere. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then mentions Indeed, the hellfire. It's most definitely been awaiting those who are going to enter it. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. Who is this hellfire for? Is it for everybody? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says it is for those who oppressed, those who wronged others, those who wronged themselves. It will be their abode. It will be their final destination. How long will they remain there? Indeed, they will remain in there continuously, forever and ever and ever. is a period of time. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning here, this period of time, the scholars differ as to how long it is 70 years, 80 years, that is known as one hukub. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning plural, i.e. they will remain there, one of the opinions, they will remain there and every time this period, for example, 80 years or 70 years comes to an end, another would start and another would start and this would continue forever and ever and ever. Some of the mufassirin mention that the reason why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose this word is because the Arabs at that time, the word used to denominate the longest amount of time was ahqaba. So when you mention this word, it referred to the longest possible period of time. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying not only one session or one duration of this period of time. No, many, 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 and it will be forever. La bithina fiha ahqaba. A second opinion is that this verse is connected to the next verse. La yadhuquna fiha bardam wala sharaba. Indeed, most definitely, when they are in this punishment, in this fire, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. When they are there, they will not get any coolness, any drink. La yadhuquna fiha bardan. Bardan could be referring to anything that is cool, anything that is good. 
Another opinion is it is referring to sleep. Whatever it may be, basically they will have no relaxation, no time to rest. لا يذوقون فيها بردا ولا شرابا And they will not have anything nice to drink. So when it comes to the previous verse, some of the scholars mention that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying When it comes to this specific punishment, it will be for a very long period of time and after this they will move on to another punishment. So basically, they will be rotating between different punishments forever and ever and ever. In that time, they will not get anything cool, anything nice. They will have no drink. The only drink that they will be getting is hamim. Something which is so hot, so hot, it literally burns a person and burns all of his insides and his face. Either refers to a mixture of all the sweat and the pus and the dirt of the people of the fire that being gathered and given to them or it refers to something which is so cold so cold that somebody who takes it in will definitely be punished and harmed why all this punishment this punishment was given to them because of what they did so their deeds made them deserving of this punishment what else did they do إِنَّهُمْ كَانُوا لَا يَرْجُونَ حِسَابًا Indeed, they had no hope. They never ever thought. They rejected the notion that they would be resurrected one day. لَا يَرْجُونَ حِسَابًا They basically denied this resurrection. وَكَذَّبُوا بِآيَاتِنَا كِذَّابًا Not only that, when our signs came, they rejected them completely and fully. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says, وَكُلَّ شَيْءٍ Indeed, everything, every single detail we have written down, it's been recorded. The one who is being punished, it will not be out of oppression. No, it's because everything was recorded and he will not be given more punishment than he actually deserves. In the same breath, as for those who did good, they will not be shortchanged. They will not be given less. He then says, فَذُوقُوا فَلَنْ نَزِيدَكُمْ إِلَّا عَذَابًا So, addressing these people, those who rejected, those who are in the punishment, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says, فَذُوقُوا So taste. فَلَنْ نَزِيدَكُمْ Because we will not increase you in anything. Anything except what? Maybe they might get some remorse, some relief. No. فَلَنْ نَزِيدَكُمْ إِلَّا عَذَابًا The only thing extra we will give you is more punishment. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. Some of the Mufassirin mention that this is one of the scariest, if not the scariest verse and the heaviest, the most difficult verse for those who are being punished to hear. فَذُوقُوا taste فَلَنْ نَزِيدَكُمْ إِلَّا عَذَابًا Because the only thing you are going to get is more punishment. After Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned this and this punishment, immediately he goes on to mention the condition of those who believed, those who will be rewarded, those who did good, look at how he strikes the balance always in the Qur'an between hope and fear, between good and bad, between the punishment of those who did evil and the reward of those who do good so that a person lives a balanced life. If a person only hears about punishment, he may lose hope. 
And if a person only hears about mercy and good things, he may actually carry out a lot of sin with the belief that because Allah is most forgiving, he will definitely forgive me. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is calling us to strike that balance. So he says, Indeed, those who believed, those who had taqwa, those who did good deeds, they will be saved on this day. They will be saved from that punishment. They will have goodness. They will have all sorts of bounties, gardens, grapes, all sorts of fruits, whatever they wish for. They will have, they will have young companions, all at the same age. And they will have glasses which are full and clear and continuously refilled with wine. This is wine of the Akhirah. This is wine that is pure. That is why one of the reasons for a Muslim not drinking wine in this world is so he can drink it on the day of Qiyamah. Or in Jannah. Whilst they are there in Jannah, they will not hear any speech which has no benefit in it, nor will they hear any lies, any anything that disturbs them. Some of the Mufassirin mention that the reason this verse comes is after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the wine and how we see today when a person drinks, usually there's a problem, there's a commotion. Here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us that this wine will not affect them. There will be no raising of voices and shouting and anything that disturbs or troubles them. Another way of looking at this verse and adding on to what we mentioned is some of the Mufassirin say, after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned all the punishment and how it will be so difficult, there will be all sorts of things, people being punished. He then mentions this, how the people of Jannah will not get anything, not even any speech that disturbs them in any way to show that they will be in full bounty, full na'im, the things that are around them, those things in terms of punishment and that will not affect them in any way. It will not take away even a little bit from the bounty and the ni'mah they are in. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says, Jaza'an min rabbika ata'an hisaba. All this as a reward from their creator. He most definitely gave them in full and he gave them more than what they deserved. رَبِّ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَمَا بَيْنَهُمَ الرَّحْمَانِ لَا يَمْلِكُونَ مِنْهُ خِطَابًا Why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give them? How did he give them? Because he is the Lord. He is the owner of everything, the heavens and the earth. And at the same time, he is Ar-Rahman, the most merciful. His mercy reaches every single thing. رَبِّ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَمَا بَيْنَهُمَ الرَّحْمَانِ on that day, the day of resurrection, nobody will be able to talk. Nobody will be able to ask something from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nobody will be able to intercede on another person's behalf and start to basically ask Allah for this or that. Everybody will be quiet. Everybody will wait for permission. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will only permit certain people to speak. He then says, يَوْمَ يَقُومُ الرُّوحُ وَالْمَلَائِكَةُ صَفَّا لَا يَتَكَلَّمُونَ إِلَّا مَنْ أَذِنَ لَهُ الرَّحْمَانُ وَقَالَ صَوَابًا 
On that day, the ruh and the angels will be lined up. Some of the Mufassirin mention that it is Jibreel. Others mention that it is the son of Adam, human beings, and there are other opinions. Basically, on that day, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, يَوْمَ يَقُومُ الرُّوحُ Whoever it may be, whether it's human beings, angels, another creation, basically part of the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not specified. Them and the angels, يَوْمَ يَقُومُ الرُّوحُ وَالْمَلَائِكَةُ صَفَّةً They will all stand and they will all be lined up. لَا يَتَكَلَّمُونَ Nobody will be able to speak. إِلَّا مَنْ أَذِنَ لَهُ الرَّحْمَانُ وَقَالَ صَوَابًا Except the one who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grants permission for him to speak or to intercede on somebody else's behalf. And this person came or said that which was right, i.e. the one who believed in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah is happy with him. Allah grants him the permission to intercede on behalf of somebody else. And on that day, everybody who believed and everybody who is granted permission will be given the ability to intercede for those who believed. So you find that the Anbiya, the Prophets of Allah will intercede. Those who are pious intercede. The angels, they intercede. The Quran, it intercedes and so on and so forth. What's important to remember is when it comes to Shafa'ah, when it comes to intercession, we cannot ask it from anybody in this world who does not own it. So for example, people who are alive, no matter how pious they may be, or people who uh, may have passed away, the dead or angels, it is all in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he will give permission to whom he decides on the day of Qiyamah. So we cannot ask the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, we cannot make dua to him right now and say, O Messenger, intercede on my behalf because this is making dua to the dead and we are not allowed to do that. That comes under associating partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Rather, when one makes dua, he calls out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asking for the intercession of the Prophet. So if a person says, Oh Allah, grant me the intercession of your Nabi, your Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, then this would be allowed because you are calling out to Allah directly. As for calling out to a grave or a Nabi or a pious person, then that is impermissible. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, on that day, only those who he allows will intercede. And at the same time, these people also believed. They said, La ilaha illallah. And they are interceding for those who believed. And again, intercession on that day will be for different things. So there will be intercession for those people, those believers who are in the fire, for them to come out of the fire. There will also be intercession for somebody who is in Jannah, but maybe at a lower level. So somebody intercedes on his behalf and bi'ithnillah, they will be taken to a higher level. Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, this day will most definitely occur. It is a day of truth and reckoning. After giving us signs, after warning us, after giving us goodness, hope, glad tidings, telling us about Jannah and its bounties, he says, Those who wish now, it is their choice. They can basically develop a connection with their creator, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They can do good deeds. 
they can believe, they can prepare for this day. Indeed, O Kuffar of Quraysh, those who disbelieved in the messenger, those who rejected, we have warned you of a punishment that is very close. It is imminent. On that day, Everybody will see the deeds they brought forward. As for the one who rejected, he will wish that he was like dust. It is mentioned in the hadith of Rasulullah on that day, justice will be served. Even the most minute of oppressions or injustice that occurred in this world will be compensated on the day of Qiyamah. So much so that an animal with a horn, if it had to hit another animal that didn't have a horn, then on the day of Qiyamah, these animals will be brought and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give the one that didn't have horns, Allah will give it horns and it will be able to take its right from the other animal. After that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say, Kuni turaba. Basically, these animals, he will order them to become dust. So when a person who disbelieves sees this, he will wish that he was also dust because he knows that he will be facing a punishment. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us all goodness. Ameen. We should remember these verses as we read them, as we memorize them. Try and ponder over them. Try and extract benefit and you can write them down. Share them with other people. Remember, as we mentioned, the month of Ramadan is the month of the Quran. And one of the ways in which we develop our relationship with the Quran is by learning its meaning and also teaching others. In Sahih al-Bukhari, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, خَيْرُكُمْ مَنْ تَعَلَّمَ الْقُرْآنَ وَعَلَّمَهُ The best of you are those who learn the Qur'an and also teach it. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us all goodness and beneficial knowledge. Ameen. وَصَلَّى اللَّهُ وَسَلَّمَ وَبَارَكَ عَلَى نَبِيْنَا مُحَمَّدْ وَعَلَى آلِهِ وَصَحْبِهِ أَجْمَعِينَ